Welcome, Harvest Church family, and thank you for joining us this week for our sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged with the message prepared. Right now, let's listen in to this week's message. This morning, I want to talk about God, our provider. Say it with me this morning, God, our provider. And when I look back at the last two years, especially, you know, we've been in this environment right now of uncertainty, uncertainty about the pandemic and uncertainty about the future and our present situations, all those kinds of things. And then the economy and all those things we've gone. Everyone's gone through these things before. But, uh, you know, because there's been pandemics in the past, but not while we've been here to experience them. So you have to be over 100 years old to know of another pandemic. And so I'm just saying here this morning, this has been quite a ride that we've been on. But I've watched over the past two years, uh, two years and I've seen how faithful God has been and how God at every turn has been our provider. And I know that you've seen the same thing too. So I want to talk this morning about two ways that God provides. uh, Let me rephrase that. I want to talk this morning about God our provider. This morning I'm going to be talking about how God provides for us spiritually. And then next, and the title of the message today is God our provider, Abraham and the miracle at Moriah. But then next Sunday I'm going to be talking about God our provider and how God provides for us physically and materially. You need both of those things, physically and material, but let me tell you what, unless you have the spiritual thing covered, it doesn't matter, right? So the spiritual thing is first, we're going to be talking about that this morning, but that'll be this Sunday and next Sunday. So today uh, we're going to talk again about God our provider and how he's provided for us in such a wonderful way spiritually and uh, I, I really believe that there's going to be a lot of the scripture that's going to just uh, touch your life today and also you're going to see things that you've never seen before or understand in a way that you haven't understood before and I just pray that God will help us to do justice to the uh, few scriptures that we're sharing here this morning that, that they'll break through into your heart and change you from the inside out. Can I get a witness, amen? So we're going to be talking this morning about Abraham and the miracle at Moriah. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you, Lord God, for the service that we've already had. Thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you, Lord God, for the hope that you've given each one of us. And God, as we look to your word right now, I know that your word is already anointed, but I pray, Lord God, that you will uh, anoint me, Lord God, as I share what you've put on my heart. And God, let us be ready receivers of your word. And Lord, change us and transform us from the inside out. And we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. 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 You may be seated. God bless you. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want you to take your Bibles this morning and turn to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis being the very first book in the Bible. Genesis chapter 22. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to unpack just 18 verses this morning. That's it. We're going to unpack 18 verses this morning of Genesis uh, chapter 22. This is the story of Abraham and Isaac and how Abraham and Isaac took a little trip, a little journey up to Mount Moriah and what happened over there. And how important it is. This story is a startling story, but it's also a very beautiful story when you see all of the truths that are built into it and, and, and uh, that'll touch your heart today. So Abraham was tested in his life, and, uh, but he passed the test, all right? But he was tested, deeply tested, and the test had to do with his only son, Isaac, and we'll uh, read about it right now. Now, 
here's what I want to ask you to do. I want you to take your Bibles and whatever you brought with you, whether it's a smartphone or whatever, bring the scripture up in Genesis chapter 22. It'll come up on the screen, but better yet, I'd like you to come up in your own Bible because then it'll hit you right between the eyes. We don't have notes today because Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 through 18 will be your notes. When you go back through it, this is called exp- uh, expository preaching, unpacking the word of God. When you go back through it yourself, you'll, you'll be able to remember most of what we talked about today uh, just by com- uh, uh, interfacing it and applying it with the word of God. So here we go. Verse 1, it says this, Sometime later God tested Abraham and he said to him, Abraham... And Abraham replied, here I am, he replied. And I want you everyone to say with me this morning, here I am. Uh, That's one thing about Abraham. And by the way, Abraham is one of the patriarchs of the church. You have Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Everyone say with me, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, three patriarchs of the church. And Abraham, Abraham had a here I am attitude. And what is a here I am attitude? Also, Abram had that, but also Isaiah said, you know, here I am, send me. Isaiah said that, I believe in Isaiah chapter 6. But Abraham had a here I am attitude, and a here I am attitude is this. It's an attitude of availability. It's an attitude of service. I'm here to serve. It's an attitude of obedience. It's an attitude of a willing heart. Lord, I'm willing to do what you ask me to do. And I want to just say here this morning, church families, young people, if you want to do great things for God, have a here I am attitude. Say with me again, here I am, Lord. And you might say, you know, Pastor Perry, I just wish I could believe that God could use me, but I just feel so inadequate. I don't feel qualified. I don't feel up to the task. I don't feel that I've had enough training, whatever the case might be. But let me just say here this morning, God is more interested in your availability than he is in your ability. If you'll just give what little you have to the Lord, he can take it from there. God's not just looking for abilities, he's looking for availability, and I think that he's looking for availability more than he is ability. Because little becomes much when you place it in the master's hand. You might say, I'm just little and I just have nothing to offer, but I'll tell you what, put the little that you have in God's hands, and God is, a good, God is really good at multiplying whatever you put in his hands. Think of the loaves and fishes, right? And think of your life. Years ago, there was a song called, um, it was written by Ron Canoli, and and Ron Canoli was living out here in California at the time, and he wrote a song called, If You Can Use Anything, Lord, You Can Use Me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. How many of you remember hearing that song, right? And then it's a great song, But it says, Lord, here I am. What little I've got or what lot you've got. Whatever it happens to be, God, I put myself in your hands. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Now, that's being a here I am person. In other words, being available and having the right attitude. Here I am. What do you want, Lord? Now, also to be a here I am person, you must also have a hearing ear. Say it with me this morning, hearing ear. Not just ability, but the ability to hear God. Because, you know, God speaks to us today. How many, know that we have, how many know that God speaks to his children today? And so to have a hearing ear. In fact, all of the prophets of old, if you take a look at them and just line them up, in the Old Testament, they all had this way of hearing God. And God still speaks today, but they would hear, they would hear from God directly 
or they would hear from God through an angel, or they would hear from God like through an object like a burning bush, or they'd even hear on one occasion they heard from God through a donkey. Do you remember that one right there? And so, come on, everybody, remember that story when the donkey talked? I got to preach on that so you'll remember it, all right? And, and, but it could be a messenger, an angel, it could be God speaking directly, whatever it might be, but to have a hearing ear and he'll speak to you today. Young people, I want to tell you, I, I began to hear from God probably when I was around 13 or 14 years old, I started to tune into his voice. I was saved when I was eight years old, but then I realized in my growth as a believer, you could really hear and be sensitive to the voice of God. And all the way back to when I was 14, I could hear the voice of God. And I've been listening to him ever since. Praise God. So listen to the Lord. But here's what I want you to see first of all, that Abraham was a here I am. He has a here I am attitude, Lord. Here I am, use me, I'm at your service. Now go to verse two. Then God said, now notice that God is talking to Abraham. He said, I want you to take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Now, he said, I want you to take your son. Say with me, take your son, your only son, and that's more, even more pointed, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and Isaac at this time would have been around 15 years old, but if you check it on Google, you'll find a bunch of different ages. They're really not able to pin his age down except to say that he was a young, he was a young man. And then Abraham was about age 114 because when Isaac was born, he was, uh, Abraham was 99 years old. Talk about an old dad, right? Sarah was 90 years old. His mom was 90. Remember the story? They were saying, Abraham, and the angel told them, you're going to have a son, and they just laughed, Sarah laughed, and that's why they named Isaac Laughter. His name means laughter, because you're telling me that a woman is nearly as good as dead? The Bible says she is good as dead, had a little son called Isaac, who was a child of promise. And so they have Abraham and Sarah, everyone say with me, Sarah, have a little, have a little child named Isaac. Everyone say with me, Isaac. Okay, now everyone. For the you that study the Bible, you'll go like, wait a minute. Abraham had one son, but he actually, I think he had two sons. I think there was at least you had Ishmael that he had with Hagar, so that's a second son. And then if you go two chapters away in, in, in chapter 25, you'll find out that he had six more sons by another wife. So how could he say that he only has one son? And the way to reconcile that is this. He had one son with Sarah. That was it. His promised son, that his son that was uniquely brought into this world, into a dead womb, if you will. He was uniquely brought into this world by impossible situations. So he became between uh, Abraham and Sarah, became the son of promise to them. He was the son of promise. So when he says this, take your son, your only son, he's talking about your only son with Sarah. Does everyone follow here right now? So for some of you, we're going like, I don't even know how to I just heard of Sarah. I just heard of one son. I didn't, I didn't even ask the question. But actually, he had another son by, he tried to do God's miracle for him, and that was his son with Hagar, and that was little Ishmael. And then two chapters later, he had six more sons with another wife because you could have more than wife more than one wife back then. In the, Old, in the Old Testament, that seemed like a good idea. In the New Testament, it doesn't seem like a good idea. How many of you, you can't handle more than one wife? Can I hear that? Come on. Oh, let me put it this way. You can't afford more than one wife. Come on. 
And, and now I'm in trouble with all the women in this room. I'm so sorry. Uh, let me just say to the women, you can't handle more than one husband. All right, all right. Okay, now. Okay, everyone. Second verse. God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love. His name is Isaac. What are you going to do with him? Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain that I will show you. I want you to offer up your son as a sacrifice, which was such a startling request. But you're talking about the God of the universe talking to Abraham, who would be the father of many nations. That's what his name means, father of many nations. Uh, 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 Isaac means laughter, but his dad's name means father of many nations. If the God of the universe now is talking to the father of many nations, he's, he said, I'm going to put you through a test. He didn't tempt him. He put him through a test, but it was going to be a tough test, a test of his faith. So verse 3 says this, Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey, and he took, him, uh, he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. So they had the donkey, and there was four of them now, two servants, and then Abraham and Isaac. Now, I want you to see something here this morning. Notice that Abraham doesn't respond to God with a debate, but rather obedience. Amen? And I want to just say here this morning, in other words, God, what is this about? You're asking me to sacrifice my son? Abraham was in such relationship with God that he trusted God and revered God in such a way that he would do what God asked him to do, even without asking a question. And it was his own son. And so he says this, he didn't respond to God with a debate, but rather he responded with obedience. And let me just say this here this morning. When God speaks to you, now I'm not going to say if God speaks to you. I'm saying when God speaks to you, don't debate God, just cooperate with God and obey God. Even when you can't figure it all out, obey God. Amen. Amen. And so when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God told him about. He set out. And this place was going to be Mount Moriah, and it was going to be about a three-day walk from where he was at. So it says this, On the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw the place at a distance. There it is, Mount Moriah. Not a high mountain, just kind of a medium-level mountain. And he said to him, Stay here with the donkey. They get there. He said, he said to his servants, Okay, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Now get this, God had asked them for him to sacrifice his son at the altar at Moriah, but Abraham says to his servants, he says, we're going to go up the mountain, we're going to worship God, and we are going to come back to you. This was the first prophetic statement of faith in God. In other words, Abraham had great faith in God, and he says, I know my God, and here's what's going to happen. We're going to go up that mountain, and we're both going to come back. Can I get a witness? Amen. Even though God has told me to sacrifice my son, we're going to go up to that mountain, and we're going to come back down. That's faith in God. And by the way, let me just give you a little spoiler alert here. If, if, if this story would have gone sideways, and Isaac would have died at the hand of his dad, it says in Hebrews that, Abraham had so much faith that he believed that God would raise him right back up from the dead. Isaac, check it out in Hebrews. So Abraham felt, I'm going to win either way. I don't want to do this, but I want, I, you know, in other words, I'm willing to do this. I, I don't want to lose my son, but even if my son perishes by being sacrificed, God will raise him back from the dead. How many of you know that that's great faith? Yeah. Hallelujah. So he had that kind of faith. In other words, God, whatever happens, 
I believe you're going to work it out, all these things for good, in the name of Jesus. So, he said to his servant, stay down here, the two servants. We're going to go up and worship God, then we're going to come back to you. Look at verse 6. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And by the way, and he himself carried the fire and kill, carried the knife. All right? Now, everyone look at me right now. Man, and students tune in on this. And, and everyone here, we're all students of the word of God. There's a lot of typology taking place in this uh, story right now. And that's why I say it's a startling story but it's a beautiful story because there's a lot of Old Testament typology taking place. And after church or whatever, you can just Google whatever typology is, but it's a certain type of theology called typologies where in the Old Testament, you'll have types of Christ that are called types, and then the New Testament, the answer is there, and they're called antitypes. In other words, let me illustrate it to you this way. It says that he took the wood for the burnt offering and put it on his son Isaac. Isaac is a type of Christ that's going to be crucified on that altar, given on that altar for sin. But they put the wood on his back, and that wood represents, if you will, the cross. And, and, and so he's carrying his cross up that hill. Does that sound like any other story you know? And it's not Mount Moriah this way, but it would be Mount Golgotha or Mount Calvary in Jerusalem right next to Mount Moriah. So it becomes a type. Let me give you another type. Uh, remember Noah building the ark. Noah was a type of God. He wasn't God, but he was a type of God. The ark was a type of Christ so that every person that went into the ark and the floods came, they would live because they would be safe within the ark. And, 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 and so what, what I'm saying is when you are in Christ, how many know that you're safe from death? And, and so that's a type there as well. It's a very fascinating thing. And if you ever go to, uh, you know, those of you that have gone to Bible college and, and, and study as Bible students right now, you'll know about typology, but wonderful types that are coming out as well. Abraham, if you will, is a type of, of, of God giving his son, and the son Isaac is on the altar, and he would give his one and only son, what? For the sins of the people, for his sins, all right? It was a payment. Now, as the two of them, what, okay, everybody, did you expect the Bible to be light at all times? L-I-T-E or whatever, light. How many know that there's like deep truths in the Bible? Can I get a witness, amen? Just deep truths that are wonderful truths that will absolutely just touch your heart. So Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the, for, the, 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 fire, and the, the, the fire and the knife. I almost said the fork and the knife. <laughs> I guess it's getting near noon. I'm getting ready to eat. He carried the fire and the knife, the fire to light the food. And as the two of them went up together, Isaac spoke up, and he said to his father, he said, Father, and he said, Yes, my son. Abraham replied, The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Now, Isaac had been around Abraham long enough at the temple to know how this worked. He knew that you, bring, you brought in animals to be sacrificed for the sins of the for the sins of the people, and you did it on a regular basis. Day after day after day, animals were being sacrificed in the temple. Isaac was around that. He saw that. He knows how that works. You're going to have a lamb or a bull or a turtle dove or some kind of an animal is going to be sacrificed for a burnt offering. He goes, he goes the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And so you can see the picture right here. There is uh, Abraham right there with his son Isaac, again, old Abraham with a young son Isaac and Isaac's kind of turning and looking at him as if to ask the question 
He, he goes, Dad, Father, I, I, I see, the, 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 I see the, the, the wood and I see the fire, but where is the sacrifice? And Abraham answered him, and he said this, God himself will provide a sacrifice. God himself will provide a lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went up together. Say it with me this morning. God himself will provide a lamb. And everyone say hallelujah. Hallelujah. How How many of you are ahead of me already and know that God provided a lamb for us? Amen. But he said God's going to provide a lamb. And, uh, and, and, and you'll see it. This was the second declaration of faith in God. Remember, Abraham's being tested for his faith. He passed the first test because he said, we're going to go up. He said to his servants, we're going to worship God, but we're going to come back down together. And then he says here, God will pro- himself provide a lamb for the burnt offering. And, and he said that to his son. That was the second declaration of faith to him. So, now, why sacrifice of blood, everyone, okay? Because the sacrificial system that, that came up in Jerusalem, it, 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 sin demanded a payment, and it demanded a payment be paid in blood. Without the shedding of blood, there would be no forgiveness or remission of sin. So the scriptures tell us this, that the life is in the blood, and the sacrifice of a lamb and the shedding of its blood would provide an atonement or a payment for sin. So say it with me this morning, everyone, the life is in the blood. But there had to be the shedding of blood for the remission of sin. In fact, in Leviticus, it says this, don't, eat the, don't drink the blood, don't at all partake of the blood. In other words, don't drink the blood. You can have the meat, but not the blood. The blood must be shed, but the, the blood is for atonement or payment for sin. So uh, in Leviticus, it says it like this, for the life of the creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. That's how the sacrificial system became. He says, you're going to put that animal on the altar. The life of the blood, the life of the creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. Then it says this, it is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Say with me this morning, it is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Now we sing songs like, oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes away every sin. First of all, you know, wash, uh, blood has, is a cleansing agent, yes? It's a cleansing agent, but then it also is a payment for the sins and remission of our sins. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. And then the Word of God says this in Hebrews 9.22, and I didn't even share this. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission or no forgiveness of sins. Now, this is also known, everyone. Man, you're all hanging with me really good this morning. I'm really watching you right now because I'm going like I'm, I'm praying. I want to pray. God, I've got such an important story to share this morning. Help me, Lord God, to do any kind of justice to this story. I just pray, God, that you will help me because this is such an important story that I'm telling this morning, and you all are listening so well. Now, this is also known as, the, as propitiation, as in Christ becoming the propitiation for our sins. In fact, in 1 John 2, 2, and I've just brought this scripture up for you, and he, Christ himself, is the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only, but for also the, the whole world. Christ himself is the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins and the sins of the world. And if, if you believe that and receive it, say amen. 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 So hallelujah. So that, that's why we sacrifice. It, it, turned, it was animals all through the Old Testament, but then it became Christ. Now, Abraham builds an altar, 
And when they reached the place where God told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it, and he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Everybody, can you just imagine that? I'm talking about your, your son, your only son, and a child of promise. How in the world could you ever do that? Talk about just being caught betwixt and having the burden of doing that with your only son. Man, I'll tell you what, I don't know what I've done. I'd have probably run the other way because I probably didn't have the faith of Abraham. But faith, he had such faith in God, he just said, I'm going to obey you, God, and do what you say. So then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son and it was a special sacrificial kind of knife, the design of the knife. He reached for his hand and took the knife as if to slay his son. But right there in that media, in that moment, look at verse 11, the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and what did he say? He says, here I am. Say it with me this morning, here I am. Once again, God is speaking through this angel now. He says, Abraham, Abraham, and he says, here I am. And notice, I want you to just see the picture right now. There's a picture right there um, of, of, this, uh, of Abraham holding up this knife, and he hears from God saying, Abraham, hears from this angel in this case, saying, Abraham, Abraham. You see, Abraham is laying out, ready to be sacrificed. But if you look in the lower right-hand corner, you'll see a lamb. And he, Abraham doesn't see the lamb yet. He just knows that uh, God said God would provide a lamb, but he doesn't even know the lamb is there. And I was reading something really cool uh, in one of my uh, studies of this scripture. While Abraham and Isaac were coming up one side of the mountain, God and the lamb were coming up the other side of the mountain. And they didn't see them. He, they didn't see them. They didn't have a grasp. Abraham had to look up, and then he saw the lamb and, 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 and he saw the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. So, and he says, don't lay a hand on the boy. He said, don't do anything to him. Now I know, the angel saying this, now I know that you fear God because you've not withhold, withheld from me your only son, your very only son. And he said, uh, in the Hebrew, it would have meant you have deep faith in God. He says, don't lay a hand on the boy. You've proved this test. You've been tested. You've passed the test. And he says, now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld from me your, your son, your only son. Wow. So he says, now I know that you're a man of God and, and, and that you love me and that you fear me. And by the way, fearing God doesn't mean to be afraid of God, but it means to have a reverential fear of God. In other words, an awe, a holy awe of God, to have reverence from God. I think we need to have more reverence of God in the church today. I think we need to have more reverence of God in our lives today. So many times we treat God with such a low level of casualness and not realizing that he's the creator of the universe and everything consists and exists by him and that he deserves to be worshipped but he also deserves to be reverenced as well. Can I get away to say, man, I'm talking about reverence and I'm not talking about being afraid of God but just being reverencing God for who he is. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, um, he says, I, I believe now that you fear God because you've given up your only son. Now, everybody, look at me right now. You're doing so good. How many verses did I say that I'd be going through this morning? 18. I'm on verse 13 right now. We're making progress. We're almost there. So Abraham looked up 
and in a thicket he saw a man he saw a ram caught by the horns and he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son I want you to say it with me this morning instead of his son he, he sacrificed the ram he looked up say it with me he looked up he didn't see it because God, God says, I've provided, I'm going to provide this lamb. And he looks up, and over there in a the thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. And he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Aren't you glad that it was instead of his son? And really, on this, go ahead to the next slide right there. You'll see Abraham, and there's Abraham, little son Isaac. They're looking over uh, there, and there's the ram that God has provided for him and this story the story of Abraham and Isaac in Genesis 22 is a beautiful image of the sacrifice and substitution that was made in our place in other words it's sacrifice and substitution so say it with me this morning sacrifice it's a picture of sacrifice and it's a picture of substitution because that ram became our became Isaac's substitution and sacrifice all in one. But I want you to know here this morning that Jesus became our sacrifice and our substitution for us in the New Testament. And all of God's people said, Amen. amen. And then, this gets better, everybody, in verse 14. So Abraham called that place, he put a name on it, and he says, The Lord will provide. Say it with me this morning, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it's called this, on the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. On the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. Hallelujah. In the, in the King James Version, it reads this way. And Abraham called the name of that place, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. As it's to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. And let me just bring that out. It's a compound name for God. It's called Jehovah Jireh, my provider, and his provision shall be seen. I want you to say it with me this morning. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. And if you're glad that God not only provided a lamb for Isaac, but he provided Jesus as a lamb for us, give the Lord a great hand clap to the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo. So we started out this chapter with God speaking to Abraham about Isaac. That's how we started out in verse 1. But now he speaks again after he's passed the test. And the angel of the Lord came to Abraham from heaven a second time. Say it with me this morning, a second time. And he said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you've done this and not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. Hallelujah. And through your offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Hallelujah. Now watch. You're going to be blessed because why? Because you've obeyed me. Why was Isaac, pardon me, why was Abraham blessed? Because he obeyed the Lord. Hallelujah. And he said, because you obeyed the Lord, not only will you be blessed, but your descendants will be blessed, and they'll be able to go into the cities of the enemies and take over the cities of the enemies. And he says, that's not going to be just in this generation, but for every generation to come, which I want to tell you here this morning on the authority of God's word, you have authority over every enemy that comes your way. You have the favor of God on you in the name of Jesus. Why? Because a man named Abraham centuries ago was obedient to the Lord. And God says this, you know, by the way, we are the seed of Abraham. Did you know that? Amen. Abraham had many sons, you know. 
Many sons had a father Abraham. I'm one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. But anyway, that's lost on anyone that's less than I. But I'm just telling you what. You're the seed of Abraham. And, and Abraham's blessing goes fast forward right to this generation. You have authority because Abraham was obedient way back then. His blessing is passed on to all these generations forward to everyone who'll be obedient. Now watch this. I want you to look at this because uh, uh, Abraham's obedience. Uh, I want to just say something. An obedient life is a blessed life. So the more obedient you are, the more blessed you will be. So I want to just say say it with me this morning. An obedient life is a blessed life. And just say with me, the more blessed I am, the more, pardon me, the more obedient I am, the more blessed I will be. How many of you believe that here this morning? Amen. So I walk out on Sunday. I, when I go out to walk and pray Monday through Saturday, I pray for you in my prayer walks. I go through the Lord's Prayer, and I do this over and over, and I've done it thousands of times. And I just saying, just because my, it's, it's just called a life of prayer. So it just all adds up. I think I've been praying this way now for about 35 years, something like that. And I walk and pray. And I start out with the Lord. God, hallelujah. Today, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And then I'll say, uh, you know, uh, my Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And I'll hallow the name of the Lord. And that's a prayer of worship. So I'm worshiping the Lord for who he is. Thank you, Lord God, for for who you are in my life. But I worship you today. But then right after that, I say this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Say with me this morning. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a prayer of obedience. And so I say, Lord, I want to walk in obedience today. Lord, I want to walk in worship. I hallow the name of the Lord. I walk in worship. But I also want to walk in obedience. Say with me, obedience. And the reason why, you know, I want to walk in obedience is because it's so easy not to obey. Do you live in the same world that I do? And all of the things come against you, pray in the morning, Lord God, I want your kingdom to come, your will to be done, which means this, your purpose and your plan, your will and your way, your rule and your reign, I want that to happen. I don't want my rule and reign, I want yours. I don't want my purpose, I want yours. I don't want my will, I want yours to be done. And if I can walk, then I'm walking in obedience, hallelujah. So I start out to the day, God, thank you right now, I just want to walk in obedience. But watch this, Abraham walked in obedience even to the point of sacrificing, being willing to sacrifice his own son. God provided a lamb, hallelujah, and then because he was obedient, God blessed him and blessed us all these generations to come. Pretty cool. Can I get one to say amen? So the blessing is an obedience. Hallelujah. All right. So what I want you to say, see this morning is, you are blessed, I am blessed, we are all blessed because of Abraham's obedience. Hallelujah. And the spot that this took place at is called Mount Moriah. Say it with me, Mount Moriah. And Mount Moriah is right there in Jerusalem, right under the Temple Mount. They built it on Mount Moriah. So if you take a picture of it right there, you'll see it. You'll, if you look at Jerusalem right there in the old city uh, and the gates and all that, look at the Golden Dome. That's called the Dome of the Rock. I'll get to that in just a, a quick second. But that flat area right there is where the first temple was built, built by Solomon, it was called Solomon's Temple, and then Solomon's Temple was destroyed, and a second temple, just like it went up, and it was called Herod's Temple. Herod was a great builder in Israel, man, he just built all kinds of stuff 
all over the place. But he built the second temple, then the second temple was destroyed. And then at about 586, something like that, in the 500s or 600s, I think it was the late 500s, 600s, the Dome of the Rock went up and that was built by the Muslims. So right now the Muslims have um, jurisdiction over the Temple Mount, but under the Temple Mount is Mount Moriah where Abraham went up with Isaac. It's a sacred spot for all believers because it is so, it so parallels Christ and the cross. And if you take this right here, um, if you look at that mount, just a little ways off is another little mount out there right in that same vicinity called Mount Golgotha. And we know it as Mount Calvary where Christ carried his own cross and then Simon the Cyrene carried his cross up there. He was crucified between two thieves He died on the cross, but then he rose again, and Christ became the lamb for us, the lamb for sinners slain. Hallelujah. An incredible place to visit. I've been there five times now, and been at that Temple Mount. I think all five times. If it isn't five, then it's four times. Sometimes they don't allow you to get up there. But I'm just saying, it's a real place, and it's a real story that happened in real time, and it affects us all the way today. Praise God. God provided a lamb for us. Give the Lord a great hand clap of praise for that. Amen? Now, okay, everybody, you look at me right now. Now, I'm teaching you right now, and I'm teaching you as a pastor. Perry, man, you're teaching on deeper stuff. Yes, because God, there's a lot of deeper stuff in the Scripture. And there's stuff that we should know because it's theologically good for us to know it. We need to know why we believe and why the blood's important, that the life is in the blood. And without the shedding of the blood, there's no remission of sin. There's no cleansing of sin. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But what cleanses you from all unrighteousness? It's the blood of Jesus Christ. Because the blood of Jesus Christ, the life is in the blood deadness we were dead in our trespasses and sins and yet Christ made us alive God made us alive in Christ Jesus by his shed blood that gave us life hallelujah see how that all works together so now there's the dome on the rock that's there and it's a sacred place for Muslims but one day there's going to be a third temple that's built and I'm, I'm kind of waiting for that day to happen all right we don't know the date or the time but it's going to be built so On Mount Moriah, Abraham was tested and he passed the test. And let me tell you, God is going to test you in your life and you're going to pass the test as well. And the ram that was caught in the thicket represents Jesus, the Lamb of God. And nearby on Mount Golgotha, also known as Mount Calvary, just outside the gates of Jerusalem, because Jesus had to be, had to, to fulfill prophecy, he had to be buried outside the gates. Jesus was crucified on a cross for the sins of the world. Jesus became for us the Lamb of God for sinners slain once and for all. Hallelujah. Say it with me, once and for all. Okay, now, almost done. When... When the sacrificial system was established in the Jewish culture, God's people, they had the sacrifice. Remember, the life is in the blood. There was no sin forgiven unless there was the shedding of blood of the animals. Then animals were brought in day after day. Say with me, day after day. And if you add up all of the sacrificial requirements in the course of a year, there are at least 1,246 animals that are sacrificed every single year just to meet the sacrificial requirements. 1,246 at least to meet the requirements. So this was day after day. Say it with me this morning, day after day. 
And then, at the dedication of King Solomon's temple, now I'm not trying to get you muddied in the water. First you had the tabernacle out in the wilderness, that kind of tent-looking thing that they carried away. They finally built a permanent temple, and that was Solomon's temple that was put into place. When they built that and when they dedicated that, remember Solomon's temple? Say with me, I, I think I do, Pastor Perry. David, David, the King David said, I really wanted to build this because there, but because there was blood on my hands. I couldn't build it. Now I'm going to, I wanted to do this. It was in my heart to build the temple. But Solomon, his son, he says, now Solomon's son, you'll build it. I'll, I'll watch it go up, but you're going to build it, all right? So he builds it, and then they dedicate it. And at the dedication of the temple, listen to this. At the dedication of King Solomon Temple, is in the Bible, 1 Kings 8.63, there were 22,000 bulls and 120,000 sheep sacrificed in 14 days. Now, that's a lot of bull, right? <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. But 22,000 bulls... 120,000 sheep were sacrificed in two-week period. And by the way, don't take anything from me on this that's wacky or weird. But we, we look at the, even the sacrificial system as if nobody would have cared for any of those animals, but those animals were all raised. They were all lifted up in children's arms. They, you couldn't just be callous about that, that your little lamb that you were bringing from the house was now going to be shed his blood for you. You don't have a heart if that didn't affect you at all. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This wasn't just a bunch of dumb beasts that were, that were, that were um, you know, sacrificed on our behalf. These were, these were animals that people had raised for this purpose, and now you're going to die, and it's not, don't, don't put me in the wacky category. I'm just saying, you know, I'm, I'm an animal lover, and I'm, a, I'm a, as, as in dogs, but I'm just saying, I watch as the, I watch the pictures, uh, I watch the pictures as they bring the lambs. They're standing in line with the cow that they raised in their little corral and with the lamb and bringing that. There was a little bit of pullback there. We're giving up our little cow. What? He's going to be the propitiate. He's going to be the stand-in for us, for our sins. That had to at least generate a little bit of tug on your heart. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Unless you're just not human at all, you're bringing in that animal you raised and now he's going to stand in for you. This went on to, I'm saying that 22,000 bulls, 120,000 sheep were sacrificed. And I heard a preacher once when I was, a little, uh, when I was in college saying, you think of the temple as being a spotless place and a place just pristine. But he said, there was blood everywhere. I'm talking about from all of this sacrifice that went day after day after day, and it could never satisfy completely the, the sins of the people. It had to be done over and over and over again. The bloodshed, they'd have blood on their hands, blood on their garments, blood on the ground, and it went on and on and over and over. So along comes Jesus... And the Bible says this in Hebrews 7:27, unlike the other high priests, he or Jesus does not need to sacrifice. He does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for the sins. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. Once for all. And let me just say this, everybody on the cross, this whole sacrificial 
system went away in six hours on the cross. When Jesus died, once he died for us, that sacrificial system went away because the Lamb of God for sinners slain gave his life for us and wiped out all of that whole system was wiped out in one instant on the cross. Give the Lord great praise. Would you do that? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. We talked about Abraham And we talked about Isaac, his one and only son. But let me give you the premier scripture that's the, again, New Testament of that shadow that we have in the Old Testament. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It's not going to be in the thousands of lambs and bulls anymore. It's going to be in the person of Jesus Christ, the perfect lamb for sinners slain. Hallelujah. And because of Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. Once and for all, it's been done, it's been finished. And I wrote these words here, and I posted them, but I wrote down, God is our provider. And I'm talking about spiritual provision today, spiritual provision. Next Sunday, we'll talk about our needs, and our, we'll talk about material position, provision that God gives us. But we don't need material provision if we don't have spiritual provision in the first place. It becomes meaningless because... Spiritual provision is forever. Material provision is just temporal. And we need the forever thing from God first. And that's why I preached on this first. God is our provider, and the greatest spiritual provision of all was God providing his only son, Jesus, to be the substitute and sacrifice for our sins by dying on the cross, thereby becoming the Lamb of God for sinners slain and the Savior of the world. All happened on the cross And if you believe that and receive that, give the Lord a great hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Jesus overcame death, hell, and the grave and wiped out the old sacrificial system because he became the sacrifice for us. Hallelujah. Man, what a a precious story in the Bible that lays such a wonderful foundation for our faith. And that's why we have the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's why we have Mount Moriah as a sacred site right there. Why did they build the temple on that site is because of what took place at that site uh, 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 that, that symbolizes what Christ did for us on the cross. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Stand with me this, a- this morning or this, this afternoon. Oh, we're early in the afternoon. We're good. Hallelujah. Praise it. This good news was better than you're going to get on Fox TV today. Can I get a witness? Amen. And better than you're going to get on CNN. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. I bless you today, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Just begin to bless the Lord right now. Lord, we just bless you right now. Thank you, Lord God. There's no longer the system of, of, of animals and lambs and bulls and goats and everything else that was required, Lord. Thousands of them, Lord, you did it once and for all on the cross. And we give you praise for that right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, for the finished work of Christ on the cross. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And and you know this, you've heard me preach it at Easter, but you should just know that your sins and mine, the penalties, have you ever got a bill in the mail? 
Uh, and how you know, you, you, it's usually a good thing to pay the bill, right? It's kind of how the arrangement goes right now. And you might look at that as a penalty, but it's a requirement that you have as a requirement. But some of you might have experience with getting a penalty in the mail. And uh, you could call that a traffic ticket. You could call that a summons. You could call it anything. It'd be a penalty that has to be satisfied. But the Word of God says this. All, how many of you know when you get those penalties, you, it's not your happiest day, and you know that that penalty has to be satisfied? But here's the good thing. It says, the Bible says this. All the penalties that we had against us were nailed to the cross with Christ and satisfied there by His blood. Hallelujah. And what do we do? We walk away debt-free from our sins sins and all of our penalties because they were nailed to Christ's cross. And that has to do again with the shed blood of the perfect lamb, the lamb of God for sinners slain. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord God. Lord, we just bless you today. Do you all understand this a little bit better right now? Do you understand it just a little bit better? And your salvation should just mean just a little bit more to you. Thank you, Lord God. We just bless you today, Lord God. And we give you praise for being our lamb for sinners slain. We bless you today, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Just lift your hands for just a moment this morning. Say, Lord God, today I thank you for my salvation. Thank you, Lord God, for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross in my, son, in my stead, to be my substitute and to be my sacrifice. Thank you, Lord God for sending Jesus. I give you praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. When we were dead in our trespasses and sins, Jesus, just at the right time, God sent Jesus on our behalf. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. When we were without hope and dead in our trespasses and sins, at just the right time, God sent Jesus. Man, I'm just going to take 10 seconds to say, you know, when Abraham was getting ready to sacrifice Isaac at just the right time, God provided a lamb. And when we were dead in our trespasses and sins on that sacrifice, at just the right time, God provided a lamb, Christ Jesus, who took our sins for us. Thank you, Lord God. We give you praise for that today in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Now I want to ask you a question this morning. How many of you are saved and you know it? You know you're saved. And how many of you say it's the best thing I ever did was, 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 was give my life to Jesus Christ? Thank you, Lord. It certainly was for me. I was uh, uh, eight years old when I uh, gave my life to Christ. And I was about 14 years old when I started hearing from God. You know, I was talking about how you can hear from God. About 14 years old when I started hearing from God. And I've been on this trail for God uh, ever since, you know. And, 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 and uh, it's just been the most beautiful thing and it gets better and better all the time but if you're here this morning and you've never received the Lamb of God I'm talking about Jesus wants to be your Lamb your Lamb he wants, uh, he wants to be your Savior and your Lord if you've never received Christ and the sacrifice that he gave for you I want to just ask you to receive him today Lord I just received that I believe on you and I receive you and I received what you did for me on the cross Lord, I want you to be my lamb, but Lord, I want you to be my savior and I want you to be my Lord. He's already been crucified and rose again, so that doesn't have to be done again. Just receive what he's done, his finished work. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In other words, he already did it for you, but say, Lord, I just receive right now what you did for me and I believe on you, Lord, and I receive you as my savior and my Lord. 
And I'll tell you what, Jesus will come into your life and he'll change you from the inside out, just like he's changed all of us here today. So I want to just pray for you this morning and ask you here this morning, every person right there online, watching from home online or wherever you might be, if you need Jesus, just pray right now. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I need Christ to be my Savior and my Lord. And, and I want to just pray with you right now. Just pray this prayer. And church family, if you'll join in and pray this from your heart. Pray this from your heart. Lord Jesus, I thank you right now for your finished work on the cross for me. You are the Lamb of God, slain for every sinner. And I was one of those sinners. And you were slain for me. Right now, Lord Jesus, I want you to be my Savior and my Lord, Lord of my life. Live inside of me, Lord. Give me a new life, I pray. Forgive me of all of my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness with your precious blood. And let me live for you with the help of your Holy Spirit. So say right now, Lord God, with my mouth, I now confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So Lord Jesus, I believe on you now, and I receive you as my Savior and my Lord. And I pray in your holy name, in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said amen, amen. And now everyone that, did, everyone that prayed that prayer, if you prayed that prayer, here's what happened. The angels in heaven are now rejoicing because a sinner came home. Secondly, your name's been written down in the Lamb's book of life. Jesus is the Lamb. And then the third thing is here, you're part of the family of God. And the fourth thing is this right now, your future is secure because you're going to spend your future in heaven with the Lord. Hallelujah. So, I want to just ask you here this morning, in this service here this morning, if you're here and you've received Christ, we, you prayed that prayer with me and you said, it said, Lord, come into my heart and change my life. You prayed that prayer and you meant it from your heart. Here on campus and also at home at line, I, uh, online, I just want to ask you very quickly just to lift your hands real quickly so that I can see everyone that prayed that prayer and you meant it from your heart. Pr- lift them real high. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, over here. Lift them real high. Over, over there. Others who lift a hand, you, you prayed that prayer. Right back there and right back there. Thank you, Lord God. Right back over there. Give the Lord a great hand in the place. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, those of you that lifted your hand, I want to ask you to do something. There's an orange card in the seat before you that'll help us to keep in touch with you. And on the back side of the orange card, it just says, I received Christ as my Savior, or I came back to God today. Just fill that out. Give it to one of the ushers today on the way out. Online, you can just say, I said yes. And, and you can say, I received Christ, or I prayed the prayer with Pastor Perry. But it's so important that we just rejoice with your decision today, but also be able to keep in touch with you as well. But we love you so much, and thank God for the new names written down in glory. And by the way, everybody, to see everyone receive Christ this morning that you did. It, you didn't respond this morning because of the persuasiveness of preaching. You responded because of the work of the Holy Spirit through the gospel. The gospel is the good news. That draws people to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. It's the power of God unto salvation that everyone that believes. It's just the preaching of the gospel, but the gospel is the power of God to everyone that believes. And this morning, you believed and you received, and God is going to do a brand new work in your life. And we rejoice with you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a great big applause of praise this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now let me pray a blessing over you before we go today. And man, y'all are awesome. Praise God.
y'all, you all just were like listening to this deeper stuff. You were listening so well and growing, and God bless you. I just bless you. Um, you received the word gladly this morning, and that just pleases the heart of God. Father in heaven, I just thank you right now for every person in this room right now. They're all so precious, Lord, to you, precious in your sight. God, I just pray right now that you'll uphold every person in this place. Let them feel, Lord God, your presence in their lives in a special way today in this week that we're walking into. And God, I just pray right now for your favor over them, for your presence in their lives, for your healing in their lives. Lord God, for your instruction in their lives, for your wisdom in their lives. God, I just speak speak that you would, uh, again, show them your favor, Lord God. Give them your peace and let your face shine upon them. And I just pray it right now in the mighty name of Jesus. So be blessed in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, now, stop, everybody, because I'll let you go home. (laughs) But what I did this morning is not just a formality. It was commanded that the priest speak a blessing over the congregation. It goes all the way back to Numbers. And he says, Moses, Moses was saying to Aaron, he says, when you, you talk to these people, make sure that you bless them on the way out. So the blessing's no little trite little thing like, God bless you, and we'll see you at Mimi's. You know, that's okay. But no, this is like, this is like a blessing that was handed down from the Old Testament. So if a pastor is a caring pastor, and, and, and most pastors are caring pastors, when they're praying that blessing over you, that's like a priestly blessing that goes over you. And so I just want to just say that's the kind of prayer I pray every time I say a blessing. I'm thinking, God, bless your people, he says, because they need to walk out of here with a blessing from the Lord. I, I had another minister in uh, uh, Eugene or, or Portland, Oregon, that always said, he said, your people, every time they come to church, they need to know they got a hug from God. So I want to just tell you that God loves you and God's got a hug for you today and to be blessed in the name of Jesus. And all of God's people receive that. Say loud, amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you so much. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us once again for this week's sermon podcast. We pray God's blessing on you as you face your day and week ahead. For more videos, messages, and other content, make sure you follow, like, and subscribe to all of our social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at GoHarvestEG. And be sure to check out our website at GoHarvest.org for the latest information on events and services. Until next time, stay encouraged and don't miss the opportunity to be a blessing to the world around you. God bless.